Well, Dwayne will be bringing us the message today, so we'll pray for him and turn him loose. Lord, we thank you for Dwayne and his leadership and his willingness to to serve us as a body, as an elder, and for his ability to teach, Lord. We pray that you are with him today, that you guide his words, that you give us ears to listen. And I pray that the Spirit works on our heart for what we hear from him about peace. We praise your name, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Well, good morning. You know, when uh, when we entered Advent season and asked the MYF to do the readings and light the candles and so forth and lead us through that, our idea was that, okay, we're going to take a little little break here from John, Book of John, and we'll come back to it after the beginning of the year. But when you're reading, when you're hearing about and talking about love, hope, peace, joy, it's pretty hard to stay out of John. And so this morning, the... Uh, what the, the reading and the candle lighting was exactly the verse that I want to talk about today. So turn, if you would, turn with me to John chapter 14, verse 27, which is the verse that they used. But that's a good thing. Repetition is a good thing. So I would like for you to turn there with me, if you would. And uh, you, can just, you can just stay there because of all places, I want to start in the book of Job. Now, how did I land in the book of Job? But... Uh, poor old Job, you know, if there was a guy that was in need of peace, it was Job. Uh, the things he was going through, the, the physical afflictions, and he lost everything. Lost his children, lost his property, lost his livestock, he lost it all. And here he was, sick and afflicted. And uh, most of the book of Job consists of these three friends of his that come to visit, and then the dialogue between them. One friend will talk for a while, and then Job will respond. Another friend will talk for a while, and then Job will respond. And that's most of what the book of Job is. And as you're reading through there, pretty soon you get the notion, Job doesn't need any more friends. You know, uh, the, the things that his, his friends are saying to him uh, are not sometimes not very helpful, doesn't seem like. But uh, there's one of his friends, a guy named Eliphaz, he does say, uh, you know, he, he throws some nuggets out there from time to time. And uh, Job chapter 5, verse 7 says this, and this is Eliphaz speaking, says, But man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. Now, at some point, we have all lit a fire. You know, either in your fireplace or you burn a brush pile or burn trash or whatever, but you light a fire, and when the fire starts, when it catches hold and starts burning robustly, what happens? shower of sparks goes up. If there's fire, there's going to be sparks going up. And what he's saying here is, as sure as you're born, you're going to have trouble, just as surely as sparks go up out of the fire. Well, that's kind of, that's what we want to deal with today, is, is the trouble. You know, we're talking about peace. We're talking about how, you know, how do we get peace? What is peace? Now, it's, obviously, there's a big difference in the peace that we seek in the peace that we know, and the peace that the world knows, the peace that the world pursues. Uh, on an international level, um, peace is, I don't know if, if you can say it's really defined, but peace is kind of accepted on an international level as absence of war. If there's no war going, then the world is considered at peace. Well, there's, I think their name is the Durant uh, Historical Group. I can't really uh, 
uh, reference them, but I'm because I'm not real sure. But one time I've, I've read about this study that was done one time, and if you go back 3,500 years, now think about that. 3,500 years is going to put you back when when Jerusalem was was the power on earth. You know, 1,500 years before the birth of Christ, roughly. So you're getting back in there, but in that 3,500 year period, there has been 300 years where there's no war somewhere on earth. It's less than 10 percent. That, that's, that's not a good average. That's not a good number. So internationally, the world does not know peace. Now, nationally, uh, you know, I, I, you hear the news. I don't have to tell you, but we know about all the chaos that's going on in our country these days, uh, riots in the street and, and just, just crumbling society, basically. It's a very sad thing. And we know, uh, you know, just, just one little example of this. In our country today, there are over 2 million people in jail. That is a profound failure. They're there all the way from petty theft to murder and mayhem, just just whatever it is, whatever reason they're there. But when they're there, that is a sign that not only have they broken laws that have harmed society, but basically it's a sign of society's failure. That that many people have found them come to that situation. So then you come to uh, you know kind of a local level, uh, you know our our county, our community, whatever, and you know we're all alarmed by the rise in drug use, uh, the the theft that goes on to support that kind of activity. Um, you know the guy across the street, we think he's a nice guy, but what's he really like? We don't really know, and you know then. With all the activities that are going on in, in, in our schools and our communities, you know, who are our kids rubbing their elbows with? Who, who, who's their friends? How do their friends act? You know, there's, there's this real sense of unrest, of annoying, a real sense of people seeking peace. But now what you have to remember, when people that don't know God are seeking peace, they're seeking, um, they're seeking a a tranquility. They're seeking a lack of uh, turmoil. Probably a good way to say it. So they really don't know what real peace is. And the sad thing is, in the wicked world, there is no peace. And there will not be. Because the peace that we know, the peace that comes from God, is not of this world. So that's what we want to look at today. So if you look at, join me in reading uh, John chapter 14, verse 27. It says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And that's the verse that was read as the candle was lit. Okay, but now let's go back and look at a few things here. There's... Um, there, there's some, some things that we need to understand and some things that we need to kind of define as we study this verse and kind of take it apart and see what he's talking about here. It says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Now, in the, we, need to, we need to think about peace in two separate ways here. We need to think of it as kind of, a, of an external peace and an internal peace. Um, the uh, 
The peace Jesus, now this is Jesus, Jesus saying, the peace I leave with you, it is peace with God. Jesus is saying, I'm leaving this with you. It's a gift. I'm gifting you peace. There's nothing we can do about it that's going to earn it or deserve it or collect it. Jesus is giving it to us. He's giving us a gift, the gift of peace. Now, why do we need to have peace with God? Well, turn, you flip over with me right quick to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we need peace with God? Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. Have you ever thought about that? We don't, if we don't have peace, of, peace with God, we're an enemy of God. What do you do with your enemies? You go to war. If you are an enemy of God, you are at war with him. Basically, that's why the world knows no peace. The wicked are at war with God. They will never know the peace of God unless they are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, we are reconciled with God. We have made peace with God. We are no longer an enemy. We are no longer enemies with God. We're on the same side. That's a marvelous thing when you really stop and think about it. So if we have peace with God, that is done externally. That's done for us. That is the gift of what Jesus has done when he reconciled us to God by his death on the cross. That's the gift he made to us. Now, you have... uh, in 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 believing in believing on Jesus in accepting that gift then we have an internal peace by receiving this gift of external peace Jesus said peace i leave you then when you accepted that then we have then we have come to a subjective peace or an internal peace that is how we have peace with god so um you know Basically, the kingdom, of, uh, the kingdom of God is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and so on. But love, joy, peace, these are the gifts that we enjoy internally, we enjoy subjectively, when we have accepted the gift that is given externally. So, um, you know, that's need to spend a little time thinking about that and uh, kind of let that settle in our mind. But uh, when Jesus is saying here, uh, peace I leave with you. Whose peace is it? He says, my peace. This is my peace. Jesus says, this is my peace I'm giving to you. Now we need to, we need to stop back, stop and think a little bit about, uh, this passage in the book of John. Uh, if your Bible is like mine and you have a red letter edition from chapters 13 through 17, it's red letter. This is Jesus' teaching. And, and in these chapters, 13 through 16, there's just some amazing things in there. But you have to kind of put this in context and think about what's going on. Jesus and his disciples are gathered in the upper room. They've just had their Passover supper. And it's, it, you know, the portions of Scripture in there that we use when we uh, take communion. 
These are the things that's going on. Jesus has gathered with his disciples for the last time. Now, Judas has already exited. Judas is not there anymore. So the 11 disciples that are left, they're the faithful disciples. That's who Jesus has gathered with here in this room. And, and he is going through this uh, deeply profound teaching and um, telling them, you know, this is what's going to happen. These are what this is what you need to do. Basically, he is giving them instructions that after he is gone, go start the church. That's really what's going on here in these chapters. And so the disciples, they, you know, they're sitting here knowing that Jesus is about to leave them. They're scared to death. And when we go a couple more chapters here in John, and John, and Jesus is taken before Pilate and and taken uh, punished before he's put on the cross, they all scatter. They all scatter. Peter denies him. So, you know, they say, well, a bunch of cowards. Well, not really. I don't think they behaved any differently than we would have or anyone else would have. But in these chapters in John, chapters 13 through 16, Jesus is uh, just giving them uh, just a treasure trove of, of, uh, of insight, of teaching, and all that's going to go on, all that, all that is coming and basically laying the foundation for this is how you start my church. Now, what's kind of interesting there, if you flip on over to chapter 17 and go to verse, uh, what verse is it? I think it's about verse 20. Yes, it is, verse 20. Now, here's Jesus sitting in this upper room and teaching his disciples, the faithful disciples that are there. But then in chapter 17, uh, he prays. And, and his disciples are still with him. He's praying this prayer. This is before he goes out to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's praying this prayer with his disciples. And it is called the High Priestly Prayer. And it is uh, basically he's letting the disciples know this is what's going to happen. I'm going to leave you and so forth and so on. But when he gets to verse 20, he says, I do not ask for these only. Not just these 11 that's gathered around me here. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He's praying to the Father. These 11, when I'm gone, they're going to go out. They're going to start the church. And I'm not praying just for these to have the peace, to have the, uh, have the knowledge, have the courage to go out and preach and teach and start the church. I'm praying for everyone who will believe in me through the Word. That's us. Here we are 2,000 years later. He's praying for us to have the peace, to have the courage, to have the knowledge, to spread the Word and build the church. So that is, um, that is what Jesus is talking about when he tells the disciples, and through the disciples on down through the years to us, he says, this is my peace. And I'm giving it to you. Well, where is Jesus getting this peace? Uh, as you go on through here, uh, now when, when he gets in, we're all familiar with uh, the betrayal and arrest of, arrest of Jesus. Uh, Jesus, you know, sweats drops of blood, and he goes through all this before they get to the physical punishment, and he goes before Pilate. But um, you know, Jesus is human. And he, you know, he says, not, not your will but mine, but if this cup could be removed. He's human, you know, he knows what's coming, but he also knows that it's going to happen. He knows, he, he, he knows he's going to go through this, 
and he knows that he will endure it because of the joy that is to come. Uh, that's, you know, that's all explained here in the book of John. He knows that he will endure it. He knows that he will get through. He knows that he will experience the joy to come. So how can he so calmly face these things? In chapter 19, when he's standing in front of Pilate, and Pilate is just indignant, Pilate says, you dare answer me? I have the power to either set you free or to execute you. And you dare, you know, not grovel before me when I have this authority over you. And Jesus calmly tells him, the only authority you have comes from the Father. How can he do that so calmly? It's because he has complete trust in the Father. He has complete trust in the Father and what's going to happen in the hours ahead. So, um, well, let's see. We go back here. Now I've got myself thoroughly confused and lost here. <laughs> All right. The source of peace. Uh, the source of peace is Jesus giving it to the disciples, leaving it on earth with us. Um, now, one very important thing to remember here: Jesus has given this peace to us as believers. As believers, Jesus has reconciled us to God. We have peace with God. God is on our side. But when here we are living in this chaotic world, and we still have to deal with the physical things of this world, why doesn't the world calm down? Because this peace that we have, this peace that we're gifted with, this peace that we can participate in, it's not available to the world. That's kind of a sobering thought, isn't it? Well, sure, it's available to them. All they have to do is believe. Well, that's our job is to gather believers, make new believers, to grow the church, to build the church. We are to do that, and hopefully that is what we, that's what we accomplish, is adding new believers. But the believers are always going to be a minority in a wicked world. And, and this peace, the peace of God, is not available to a wicked world. So there's something that, that, we, um, that we have, that we can enjoy, that we can participate in, that the world knows not. Now, the world's peace, you know, they're, they're, like I said, they're, they're searching for these moments of tranquility, uh, what they consider peace. Things are going well with my job, my family's good, this and that and the other. But... Their peace is really ignorance. Now, why would I say that? Because someone that doesn't know God, someone that's not a believer, they don't understand that they're walking a tightrope on the edge of oblivion, on the edge of destruction. Their peace is a piece of ignorance not knowing what's waiting for them. When the day comes, the, when judgment comes, uh, the peace that the believers know, the peace that we experience, we know it's going to take us to be with God. We are at peace with God. If you're not at peace with God, the ultimate end of that is eternal separation from God. And we describe it very succinctly as hell. That's eternal separation from God. But those of us that know the peace of God, those of us that accepted the gift of Jesus' peace that he is leaving with us, 
we will be with God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit forever. Forever. It cannot be more peaceful than that. Being in the presence of God forever, that is the, that's it. That's what we're, uh, that's what we're uh, believing in. That's what we're striving for. Now, next thing is pursuit of peace. At the end of that verse, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Stop letting your hearts be troubled. Why are our hearts troubled? I thought this peace was given to us. We have this peace. He says, neither let them, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be, be afraid. We need to keep pursuing peace. We need to keep striving for it. How do we do that? How do we, you know, if this peace is a, a gift to us, why do we need to keep pursuing it? What we need to keep pursuing is righteousness. Well, how do you pursue righteousness? Well, uh, you, you seek it. Psalms 34.14 says, seek peace and pursue it. Isaiah 26.3 says, steadfastly trust God. Colossians 3.15 says, allow the peace of Christ to rule in your heart. Uh, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and you'll find peace. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and you will find peace. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, there's uh, verses 4 through 8 that we want to take a look at there right quick. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, so how do we not be anxious about anything? But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, well, that's, that's fine and dandy. How do we do this? How do we pursue righteousness? How do we grow our faith? Faith is not a magical thing that will just come to us. We can't go out and harvest it like we pick our corn or, you know, bring in the strawberries in the summertime. We can't go harvest faith. How do we grow our faith? How do we pursue righteousness? Well, look at verse 8 there. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, I want you to do a little exercise with me here. Every place it says whatever, let's substitute God. Let's substitute the word God. Finally, brothers, God is true. God is honorable. God is just. God is pure. God is lovely. God is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, God is worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things, you're thinking about God. 
if you actually spend time in your during your day thinking about these things, reading the Word, truly praying, not just, you know, flying through something to get done with it. You know, we've been going through the daily readings, the, the yearly Bible. I must confess that some days I find myself, okay, i got to get through this quick so I can go on and do something else. No, slow down. Read it for Read it for real. When you come to God in prayer, slow down. Pray it for real. Think about these things. God is honorable. God is just. God is pure. God is lovely. God is commendable. If you're thinking that, if you're thinking about that, you're pursuing righteousness. If you're pursuing righteousness, your faith will grow. That's a marvelous thing. So when when those angels appeared to the shepherds, and saying, glory to God in the highest. The verse is still up there. It is. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. They knew what the peace was they were talking about. They knew what that peace was. They knew that that peace is the, the peace that Jesus gives to us. That reconciles us to God. And that gives us the knowledge that at the end we're going to be with the God of peace forever. That is something worth celebrating in the birth of the baby in this season. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift, for your gift, for your gift of you. Thank you for the peace that we can have because of this gift, because of your gift. Just pray your blessing now on our time this morning and as we go through the day, as we share a meal together and go caroling, we just pray that your presence uh, with us would allow us to have a good time, an enjoyable time, and we just pray for safety and protection as we go through the day. Just thank you now for this time we can share together, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.